those guys. Thirteen and two, chapter two, three. One Peter, one thirteen and two, three. And it's to be found on, not James, <laughs> Peter. It's to be found on um, page 1,926. So it's, is that right? 1 Peter 1, 13, sorry? 12 to... Seven. Thank you. One, two, two, seven. Thank you, Carol. So it's 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 13, and then chapter 2, verse 3. Therefore, with minds that are alert and sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truths, so that you have sincere love for each other, Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field, the grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. 
like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is a word of Peter. Praise the Lord. Praise to Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God. Bless you, Bridget. Thank you. 1 Peter. I, I really wrestled with this um, sermon, if I'm honest. Um, I, I'm intrigued by Peter's life. Always, I mean, Peter's... Um, he doesn't conform to, mo- to normality, does he? He's like, he likes to be the one living on the edge, the one that's going to upset everybody because he can. And I, I praise Peter for that. I think it's great. Uh, and and the and same goes, actually, into Peter's writings. We don't have many of Peter's writings, but when he does write, I, I find that you've really got to wrestle with them, but actually there's load and load of little little gold nuggets in whatever Peter says and does. It's, in, it's incredible. So this morning we carry on with the series, The Character of a Christian, which we've been doing for the last few weeks, and today we look at this passage, 1 Peter. The passage Peter is telling us that, is that we need to sort out our lives. Peter doesn't pull any punches. He tells us we need to live differently. We need to start behaving Because God is not pleased with you. There are kinds of things about your life that God does not like. And if you don't turn it around, you're up for a rude awakening when comes the day you meet him. I start like that because that is the way that a lot of people in our world perceive that Christians think this is about them. The Bible is just full of rules and ways in which God is waiting to catch you out. That your life has to measure up to some kind of bar in order for God to be interested in you. That you need to live in a certain way. That you don't need to make the cut. And God is like a big security camera in the sky just waiting to catch you out. To find you out doing something wrong so that he can punish you so that he can judge you. That's what the reputation of a lot of Christians is. And sometimes we need to be honest because that's the way that we, it's because the way that we've behaved. Sometimes because our scriptures are misunderstood or misinterpreted, misinterpreted. So today the reason I start like this is that the passage we're looking at is a passage which in some way could be seen as about all the things it talks about, ways which we should live. It talks about being holier. It talks about being pure. It talks about God our judge. And this is one of those passages in the Bibles that could be seen as a big stick that we can be hit by, that we can hit other people with. Well, actually, as we look at it, we're going to find out that it's far from that. This is a call for us to live differently for those who follow Jesus, those of us who are committed to him, and those of us who are Christians seeking to be true in Christ. So today we're going to go through, I'm going to ask yeah, thank you. We're, gonna, we're just going to go through uh, the old um, chapter, really. We're just going to look at it in little chunks, starting at 1 Peter 1.13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. 
So looking at this passage, there's a few instructions here. Some things that we can do in order to live a better Christian life. There are three of them which are almost like commands, I find. In, this, in these verses, the first, to be alert, the first is to be alert. Be alert and fully sober. This is offering us a choice. Not just to live on autopilot. Not just to go with the floor. It's so easy to get stuck in a rut and follow the status quo of everything that you do. We don't do this deliberately or intentionally. It's our actions that we can live life on autopilot. A lot of us do that. I tend to do that. But Peter suggests that we shouldn't live that way. That we maybe need to start each day thinking through what are our choices. What are our challenges. What are the things that I'm going to face today. And how do I want to approach those things. We can be alert. And make our own choices on the things we do. Second is about obedience. As obedient children, do not conform. We must not see ourselves higher than anyone else. Quite often, you know, in the church, and, I'm, and forgive me, but I do see people that think they're way above other people. We, 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 not, we can't do that. We're no different to anybody else. It's, when I used to be boss of a, a, a business, and, and I, I were above everybody else. I tried not to be. I tried to work alongside them. But, of course, you've got to have boundaries, but now I, now I work as a Christian with a colony here. I do not see myself above anybody else. As a Christian, God is the highest authority. And we've got to listen to him. We should seek to be obedient to God. And then finally, we must learn to be holy. Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. The word holy doesn't just mean pure and perfect in the way that we live. Although it does capture those things, it also means to be set apart, to be different, to be in some ways just not the same as those people around you, just as God is not the same as this world that he created. So we can be alert, we can be obedient, and we can be holy. But I want to make it really clear as we start that these are not just instructions that come with reasons. Let's look at them again first. Being alert with minds that are alert and fully sober. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you Then Jesus Christ revealed in his coming. It's not just being alert and sober-minded and thinking rashly and clearly about ourselves. It's deliberately and consciously setting our minds and setting our hopes on what Jesus has done and will do for us. Even the instruction to be alert and not to fit in come as a result of what God has already done for us. We are obedient as obedient children. When we hear that we are obedient children, it's a reminder that we've become children of God. It's a reminder that we've been invited into his family and actually that we're part of his family. Then there is a call to live as members of his family. Again, it's a reminder of what he's done in order to inspire and to encourage us for the bit that we can do. Then as we come to that instruction to be holy, it doesn't just say that. It says, but just as he who called you is holy, be holy. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. This isn't just God from a distance saying, be holy and I might come near you. This is him saying, I've called you. I've embraced you. I've welcomed you. I've invited you and you accepted that invitation because the one who called you is holy. 
then maybe we need to be holy. Again, it's a reminder of what God has done. Peter seems unable to, th- to speak about our responsibility to live a certain way without making it crystal clear that's all in response to what God has done for us. There are ways that we can be different. So how can we be different? We can seek to be alert. We can make sure that we're seeking to be obedient to anything that God says in Scripture to us directly. And we can choose to live lives that are set apart, that embrace being different, that embraces that holiness. All of this is a response to what God has done. And actually, Peter then doubles down and carries on with that as we read the next section, Russ. Verse 17, since you call on a father who judged each person impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Wow, we need to pause at that point because this sounds like the big security camera in the sky that I mentioned at the beginning. This sounds like how I started. It sounds as though it's saying that God is going to judge everyone and as a result, you should be afraid. You should be fearful. But that's not what's being said here. Let's remember there are different kinds of fear. There's that crippling, draining fear. When we're looking around every corner just waiting for something bad to happen, That's not the kind of fear that Peter, I believe, is speaking about or writing about. There's also that healthy and appropriate fear that we have when we're driving. When we're driving and we're aware of the damages that can be done whilst we're going in a car, the hazards. We need to realise things could go wrong if we're not being aware. So we hopefully drive carefully, fearfully aware of what we are doing but what could go wrong in order to avoid what is wrong? Then there are healthy kinds of fear. What we describe as a reverence, the sense of the bigness of what is happening. And as we carry on reading, looking at the passage, we see that this is the kind of reverent fear that Peter is actually speaking about. It's an invitation to live with a far bigger view of what's going on. Not just ambling through life, but actually being deliberate and alert and obedient because of something far bigger. Have you already gone on to the next one? You've skipped one there. We need to go back to 1221. Um, I bet they're not in order, are they? <laughs> are they? Yeah, no, we're looking for 1221. Uh, I'll tell you what, there's some spirits in here this morning, isn't there, against us? Eh? That's too far. No? Never mind. Let me read it out to you. 1221. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Though him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. There we are. That's the one. It says at bottom 1721, but it says there... 
12 to 21. Forgive me. There we go. Thanks. Sorry, Russ. I didn't doubt you for a minute. (laughs) There's so much in those words, and we can do justice to all of it fully. Peter is saying that we should have this reverent fear when we remember who God is. That he alone knows what is right and what is wrong. The reason that we should live in reverence and awe of him is because of this bigger thing that has gone on. And he reminds them it wasn't silver and gold. In other words, something they might have. Peter talks about rescuing them from the way of life that's been passed down to them, which is not good for them. The passage tells us that we've been rescued from that and that we've been bought not from something that we've paid for, but something far greater. It tells us it's been paid for with the precious blood of Christ, the Lamb, without blemish or defect. It's a reminder to those Christians of what they already know. And I wonder if you know it today. I wonder if you've taken this into your life, that you and the ways you have lived and the mistakes that you've made and the shame or the guilt that you might have. God is not sitting as judge waiting to punish you because that, that's not what he longs to do. God longs for you to be brought back from that that he sent his own son Jesus to die for that very reason. And if someone else has paid such a mighty price for your life, then surely it makes sense to live in a way that is mindful of that, that is respectful of that, and is reverent of that. A few years ago, Sally and myself, I'm saying a few years ago, it's when we got married. Oh, that 1932? (laughs) It doesn't feel like that, my love. Honest. It only feels like 10 years ago. I think, we're, I think it was 1982, so I must get this right, I'll be wrong. Anyway, we were on, we were on, this cru- we were on a cruise, and it was September, uh, and no disrespect, but it was, it was a saga cruise. We didn't know any different, we just went along. It's full of old dear, old dears, uh, and all loving it, but not, not doing a lot of eating, if, I'm, if, I, if I remember rightly. But there were very few young people on, on, on this ship that we were on, and uh, there were a young couple that we'd sort of observed all, all two weeks we were there, really. And, uh, and the guy had been drinking pints, uh, half pints of lager and lime all few weeks we were there. Anyway, on, on last night, I don't know why last night, but last night we went over and I says, can I buy you a drink? And he went, oh, I'll have a Corvossier. <laughs> and maybe me said, you'll have half a lager and lime and like it. And, and that was end of a beautiful relationship that never, never really started. Now... That's a silly example, but when someone else has paid for us, surely it makes sense to live in a way that is responding to them, that is reverent to them, that is respectful to them. That is what Peter is calling us to do, to live in light of this far bigger picture and as a result to be reverent towards God, to live as he calls us to, not to live in the ways that we just want to live. We're looking at the next section, Russ. Should start at 22 after 21. Yeah, thank you. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, though the living and enduring word of God 
For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, and the word of the Lord endures forever. This is the word that was preached to you. I just love that, that verse. It's, inc- it's an amazing word. Let me just get a drink, sorry. I'm dehydrating from yesterday. flowers of the field in other words we say when we do funeral the first things I want to, make, want to mention is, is, is love the thing that one the one thing that main Christians should know for in this world is how to love one another we should all know how to love one another how deep our love and our relationship is our bond for one another that is the one thing that we should be known for above anything else you know, actually, I, I don't think that's the case. I think Christians are known in the world far more for what it is that we are against, some of the things that we're not for, rather than the fact that we are actually for one another. And we're for the community that God has granted us. We're not for the world that he loved enough to send his son, and that consequently we might love enough to give our lives as well. The root of this, Peter, again, can't help himself. He doesn't just say, love one another and make another ash command. The thing which delivered us that love in us, the thing that has given us that new life, is everlasting and can never be taken away. And that thing is a message of love and hope. So our lives should be lives of love and hope. And we should be known for that love. How can we be different? Our character as a Christian is that so we love each other when other people hate each other. And we see a lot of that in this world we're living at the moment. When other people see someone they disagree with and they disagree with them or they tarnish them or they slander them, we can choose to love them and pursue them. We can disagree far better than we often disagree we can love one another we can choose to believe the best of someone's intentions even if we disagree with their decisions we can choose the way of love is it going to be costly well yeah it's going to be costly and that's often why we're so bad at it for Jesus' love was the most costly thing and for you and me it might be as well But how is it that we can be rooted so much firmly in God that it overflows in a love that is shown and is passed on? I've got a friend, you know, who's um, she's not not a Christian. And I had a conversation, it's a few weeks ago actually, uh, and we were talking about Christian community of all things. And she said to me, "I I know I will never have friends as good as yours. Because I'm not a Christian and I don't go to church. That, that, that upsets me when people say that. I know I will never have friends as good as yours because I'm not a Christian and I don't go to church. And, and the reason is, is she, she saw something in me about the way that my friends love me that was attractive and was appealing. And there's still steps to be taken with that person, if I'm honest. But love, when we have it for one another, can be really appealing. It can be attractive. And it can look different from a world that is so full of hate and so full of division. If there's one thing you take away from today's message, it's this. Love, and love really well. Let's carry on with Peter 2. 
We're nearly there. Two, one. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Peter doesn't mess about with his words, does he? He's so direct with everything. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. I bet every one of us do that at times. I want to be clear, all of these verses we've looked at have all been about holiness. They've all been about living differently. All been about being alert or truthful and obedient to God. The verses, are all, they're all about lifestyle. But this verse is the one time, this is the one verse that Peter says, don't do these things. The Christian message has a reputation of being about, don't do this, don't do that, don't say this. You're not allowed to do this, stay away from that. The majority of Christian scriptures are not about that. The majority of Christian scriptures are about what we should be for about what God has done for us. And when we come to verses like this, it's only ever in that, this context saying this is what God has done for you, so run away from these things because they're no good for you. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, they're no good for you. Peter says everything else, above everything else, love one another. And then he says, rid yourself of malice. Well, malice and anger and aggression towards other people, that's the opposite of love. Rid yourself of deceit. If within our community we're lying to one another, we're obscuring things, we're hiding things, we're manipulating the truth, then that's not love. It's going to destroy any kind of real bond that you could have. Hypocrisy. Pretending we're something other than we are. Again, it's the opposite of love, which reveals ourselves as we truly are, because we know that we're beloved and embraced. Envy, if I'm jealous of you, if I'm envious of what you have, then I can't be loving you and wanting the best for you. I want you to fall down a little bit. I can't feel better about myself. That's not love. And finally, slander. If you're talking negatively about people, if, you, if we're painting people in a bad light, if we're gossiping, gossiping about people, all that has got no place in the Christian life or within the Christian community. This is not easy stuff, is it? This is really, really difficult stuff. We have to be seen as a loving family. Some of these things from this verse are just commonplace in the world today. This verse is just commonplace in the world today. It's accepted that there are some lies that you just tell. It's fine to gossip. It's fine to speak negatively about people. It's fine to be jealous of other people. We cannot be seen to be like that. We must be obedient and truthful. It shows what love truly is like. How do we get there? That's a good question. How do we get there? Well, Peter's been drip-feeding it through the all of these verses. These verses that remind us that we're not just to be obedient, but we're children who can therefore be obedient. We're not just to be alert and constantly on the lookout for things that we could be doing wrong and make sure that we're doing things right. We need to set our hope on God 
and what he has done for us and will continue to do for us. And that in itself allows us to be alert, to be distinct, to distinguish things or to be holy because he called us to himself. He is holy. But then he makes it really clear in this final couple of verses, Russ. Like newborn babies, I love this, I've prayed about this all week. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted the Lord is good. This is how you keep on living the Christian life. You fill yourselves up on truth and on the good news of God, of who God is, what he's like and what he's doing for you. That's the only way. We can live our lives constantly striving. I need to love the person more. I need not lie here. I need not do that. We can give ourselves a whole list of demands and try and force ourselves to live better, to live differently, to live distinctively. But it won't work if it doesn't come from within. The only way it comes from within is if what we're feeling ourselves is what will create what we want to come out of us. Peter describes this as pure spiritual milk. This is the thing that births the love in us, the word of God, the truth of who God is, the truth of what he's done for us, the reminder that we were brought by the cost of his precious blood. These things reminding ourselves constantly, filling ourselves up on these things. That's how we get to live. That's how we become obedient to the truth. It's not about effort. It's about resting in God. Over the years, I've known many people who struggle to get rid of bad habits, me included. And they know it's not good for them or any relationship they might have. They struggle with their relationships with God for the way that they live their lives. For some, they live their entire life like this. I never give up on them. God never gives up on them. For some, it's amazing when they start to see the light and they have a release and what happens. And it only happens when they do start spending more time in God, reading the Bible more, praying more, looking at the life of Jesus more. It starts to impact on their life. Some slip back. But the ones who are successful are the ones who realize that they need Jesus in their life. This gives and shows them hope. It gives them life. Friends, we too constantly need to fill ourselves up. You may have been a Christian for years and years and years, yet you haven't advanced to the higher place of Christianity. You may have become complacent. You may not even realize. Come back to the root like a newborn baby. Now that's the great level. We're all constantly in that place where we need to come back to God for pure spiritual milk, to be reminded of what he's done for us. That's the root of the Christian life. That is the root of living differently. God is not a great big security camera in the sky waiting to catch you out. He's your father. He's the one who is different and calls you to himself, who will equip you, inspire you for a good whole Christian life. He loves you that you might be loving when you remember, it helps us to be alert and just to live life, not just to live life on autopilot, not just to live life the way that everyone else is because it's expected of us, not just to go with the flow at work or at home, 
When we remember that, it helps us to be obedient like an obedient child who loves his father, whose father loves them, who responds truthfully in obedience as a result. It helps us to be holy, to be set apart, to be different. So today, if you need to, if you're looking at your life and going, man, I just look at everybody else around me and I'm not full of love, I'm full of envy and jealousy or whatever it is, then I want to encourage you. I want you to encourage you to throw yourself back to God. Spend more time with God. Remember what he did for you. Remember the big picture of your life. And then, and only then, might you really, truly start to live a full, truly Christian life. I seem to have spoke a lot there. Let's, for a moment, I just want us to, before we pray, let's just have a moment of stillness, just to probably close his eyes and just still ourselves. just want you to think if there's anything that's touched you this morning anything that God has spoken to you about if you're a person who as I've just said believes everyone around you seems to have a better life I want you to remember that God loves you just as you are with all your faults, with all your mistakes. That's what grace is all about. The main thing is remember that Jesus died on a cross for you, for every one of you sat here this morning, to free you from all those chains that hold you back. That's got to be good. Father God, thank you that this starts with you and not with us. Thank you that those characters of what we're like just waiting to catch us out are not true. Thank you that you love us and you made the first move. Help us to respond with the moves you that want us to make. Lord, I pray for alertness i pray for obedience to you i pray for holiness and purity and being set apart but lord i pray for none of this to come from our, from our own resources and strength but instead to come because you have thrown yourself at us so today, Lord, I ask that you will feed us with your pure spiritual milk. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.